0: i'm father chris Aylar of the marian fathers here at the national shrine of the divine mercy and welcome again to living divine mercy here on ewtn now, last week, we told you a little bit more about the priesthood. And this week, we want to be able to show you an example of the priesthood in action by giving you a short little stories about five of our Marian priests and how they all have different ministries but are all effective in spreading God's divine mercy. Let's now talk to some of these priests about what it entails to be a Marian.
1: My being a Marian priest uh, for me has so blessed my life because the Marians have been so good to me in allowing me to really flourish uh, in writing and be able to publish books and being able to travel. It's almost like I was made for the role that I'm in right now of being an itinerant speaker and preacher because before you know joining the Marians, I was very much on the road, traveling all the time, going from one place to another. And I think the Marians saw that, you know, Father Don would be really good at being out there and being kind of a public face for the Marians and conferences and parishes and events. And it's where I thrive, being there before crowds of people and talking about Our Lady and St. Joseph and the Rosary and the Eucharist. I'm so grateful because I don't know if in any other religious community I would be able to to do that. Um, and so, praise God for for, all that he's done for me with the Marian fathers. The vocation director role I think is where I really thrive because I love to help men discern their vocations and if God is calling them to the Marians. Uh, I get to meet with them, I get to pray with them, I get to discern with them, listen to their stories of how God is working in their lives and, and help, that, to help them to make that really important decision. I, I absolutely love being the vocation director you they come to visit us and they realize wow these guys love to play sports and yet they can talk deep theology talking about our lady and apparitions i think that's very appealing to men of today because they've come out of a culture that's very woke and very trying to get their attention and take them down avenues that you know are far away from god and so they come and visit us and they see that we love the eucharist we pray the rosary daily together um and are just Guys wanting to be holy, to give God glory, and save souls, and get to heaven. That's very appealing to young men. So right now, I published four books for the year 2023. That's really the most that I've ever done in one year. Um, And several of them, the timing is just so great for the books. So coming out in December is 30 Day Eucharistic Revival, a retreat with St. Peter Julian Emard. Um, He's been called the Apostle of the Eucharist by several popes. And it's gonna be an incredible journey of unpacking so many different dimensions of the Eucharist from the writings of this great French saint. And then we've got the graphic novel on St. Joseph. I never in all my days thought I'd be writing a comic book on St. Joseph, but it's called The Chaste Heart of St. Joseph. And the uh, artist, Sam Estrada, extraordinary skills at drawing and you know cartoon style things and the, so far the response to that has been off the charts actually we didn't print enough of them and they sold so quickly that we had to go into an emergency printing and then another emergency printing because the demand for that graphic novel was so great so the chaste heart of saint joseph a graphic novel good stuff
0: Well, as I have often said, if uh, somebody would have told me growing up that I was going to be a priest, I would have cried. But now I could never imagine being anything else but a Marian priest. For the last nine years, I have had the honor and privilege of serving of the director of the Association of Marian Helpers. We call honorary title Father Joseph. And that has been the way that the Marian Fathers have used the printed word to be able to reach the lay faithful. And, but it was actually, ironically, it was COVID that changed our entire direction. God will always bring a greater good out of even the worst evil. And Satan, I think, thought he won in COVID because churches were closing. But actually, um, that was God giving us a new ministry, um, our online ministry, doing talks and our masses and our um, chaplets and, and rosaries online, have reached many more people through God's grace of technology and working with EWTN, especially on this show, Living Divine Mercy, has been rewarding. Um, In fact, inspiring because it's a whole new ministry that we have um, been able to be part of. One of the things that I never thought would happen would be um, an election to the provincial superior. So now serving in that role, um, it's different because now instead of working more with printing and uh, employees, I work more with my brothers and helping our province, which is the United States and Argentina, to be able to keep healthy and faithful priests out doing ministry um, in in their given apostolate. So it's an honor and a duty to be able to work with my brothers. Um, I humbly uh, humbly accepted the position, but knowing I could only do it with God's grace. But I guess you could say, even though I'm currently serving both as Father Joseph and as the provincial superior, luckily we'll have a new Father Joseph shortly, I really um, have four jobs in a day-to-day basis, and that's why I apologize if I'm not always able to get back to everybody, because what I would consider and being a demanding role of the time that I have in Father Joseph, Uh, and also the demands of Provincial Superior, which have been always two separate positions. I also have four really priestly positions because I'm involved heavily in the uh, digital and video ministry of our congregation, doing the talks and the show and the videos and uh, bringing to the world, we hope, the message of divine mercy, but also the most important of all, being a priest, the sacraments, hearing confessions, doing mass, doing uh, anointings and and baptisms and weddings, and just getting uh, a chance to do spiritual direction and being with people as a priest. This is the most rewarding of all, Uh, but all four uh, are my day-to-day activities and all four are challenging time-wise, but very rewarding spiritually. And so I give thanks to God for allowing me to be a priest.
2: There's a lot of pilgrims, just like in Stockbridge at the Divine Mercy Shrine, meeting the people here at at the hill, telling them and explaining to them about Divine Mercy and who Saint Faustina is and, and what Jesus told her and just helping to be an instrument to help open people's hearts to the reality that we can trust God. It's so easy to bring the message of the Lord to them because. One, it's a very Catholic nation. um, But I think also just the reality of their, I think their poverty just materially um, has really allowed their hearts to be open, I think, to the reality of the need for a Father in Heaven. To be able to serve here and to be the priest that Jesus wants me to be, I need to cling to Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception. and and knowing that she guides me to Jesus so that I can just be the best instrument I can be so that other people can experience truly the Christ. I I bless rosaries after every mass and I wanna preach more about the reality of the souls in purgatory as well. That these are real people and the Lord in his mercy wants them immaculate. He wants them cleansed so that they can enter into heaven But when I came here in November and I saw the need of confessions, my first Sunday here was a a Sunday in ordinary time back in November of 2022. And on my first Sunday as the helper priest, I was an extra priest, I heard five hours of confession. And that's about close to what I would normally have heard in Stockbridge on the Divine Mercy Sunday weekend. And so when I saw that, I said, Lord, if you call me, I'm gonna go. I have to go. The people need confession. On Sundays, it is so many people coming to church. At, at a given mass, and we have multiple masses on a Sunday, like 8 a.m., you're getting probably close to a thousand people at the mass. It's huge. And so, and I see how many hosts are consecrated and how many Eucharistic ministers and how long, Euchar- how long communion takes. There are a lot of young people and the young people, the parents really teach them to as they grow up to like run to the priest and ask for a blessing. It happens all the time. And so the young people really recognize the reality of of the sacrament of holy orders that and and they want Jesus.
3: As a priest with the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, the main ministry that I provide with my fellow priests is mass and confessions. So we have three masses every day at the National Shrine, and we hear confessions daily as well. And that can be an hour or up to two, two and a half hours, depending on how many pilgrims, how many busloads of pilgrims come. and. As well, I am rector of the National Shrine, and so I'm in charge of making sure kind of just the day-to-day operations run smoothly with the help of uh, my fellow priests and staff. And that can include as well, preparing for all our events that kind of go on for our pilgrims. Uh, The biggest one, of course, being Divine Mercy Sunday, and then Encuentro Latino, uh, which is our kind of Hispanic day, and then other ethnic days, Uh, such as Vietnamese day, Polish day, Filipino day, uh, and just other events throughout the year. The biggest thing I hope pilgrims take away from visiting the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy is uh, simply the fact that they have a merciful savior who has so much to provide for them and that they simply just have to trust in Him. Just surrender to Him and accept the the mercy that He has for them. And then go out and be an instrument of mercy to others, uh, to all the people that God puts in their life. The Marian charisms are definitely a big influence on my ministry. Uh, First and foremost, you know, always sharing in whatever way I can, Mary as someone who will lead them to Jesus, and especially honoring her in her Immaculate Conception, and just kind of entrusting our ministry, uh, my ministry as a priest, to her protection, uh, and to also just lead others to be as pure and holy as she was, you know, under the mercy of God. In 2025, I'm supposed to go active duty as a U.S. Navy chaplain, and I've been preparing as a chaplain candidate, even as a seminarian, doing some training in the summers for that. And I first felt called to be a chaplain in the military, even back in uh, high school when I was first discerning the priesthood, because I was also thinking about joining the military. And as I was getting deeper into my Catholic faith, I uh, was thinking about how uh, other veterans told me or other people in the military told me they didn't have much access to the Catholic sacraments and so uh, I just kind of realized that need for priests and the sacraments that if I was Catholic in the military I would want access to uh, the Eucharist and confession especially uh, in the midst of that kind of job and I think it actually works out well as a Marian to be a military chaplain because our founder, St. Stanislaus Pepczynski, was a military chaplain back in the late 1600s in Poland. And Blessed George, our renovator, also kind of uh, emphasized for our third aspect of our Marian charism and assisting the clergy to assist the clergy wherever the need is greatest.
4: As the administrator of our lady of peace i'm involved with in various duties my primary duty obviously is to um, provide the sacraments for the people you know, so we have mass every day so between myself and the other priests that live uh, in our house um, we divide up the mass responsibilities we have mass we have daily mass and then we have four masses on the weekends for our sunday masses And we also offer confession twice a week. We do it Friday night um, for about an hour and a half, and then on Saturday morning for about an hour and a half as well. And now I'll usually take at least one of those times. Um, Included in those sacramental responsibilities is the anointing of the sick. I am the director of our religious education, so that means I'm over um, our um, first through eighth grade religious formation. And uh, that's that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool to be involved with. My day also involves um, meeting people for spiritual direction. There's a handful of people that will come to me for spiritual direction. So um, I set a time aside for that. Um, one of the things is is that our parish is getting older um, because Darien is an older place. Um, there are some younger families moving in, so we are we are getting some younger families, but but primarily uh, we have an aging population. So that's a challenge. Um, the other challenge is, and you can kind of see this with our younger families, specifically specifically with our families associated with religious ed, is just because, let's say, younger families might come for baptisms and have their child baptized, or because they might be sending their child to religious education, that doesn't always translate into weekly mass attendance. So trying to help young families understand the importance of bringing their kid to mass um, is is a challenge to communicate. My first 19 years as a Marian was basically living in a house of formation. So it's quite different when you go out to a parish because you're no longer in the structured environment of a house of formation. Um, No longer do you really have a set schedule. When you go out to a parish, you're kind of going on the front lines and, you know, we, we have one time when we get together for community prayer, then after that, it's kind of we're in, in some ways on our own, so to speak, to make sure that we get the prayers done. And the way I work, the way I roll, um, just by my nature, I'm kind of, you know, my, my middle name sometimes is Mr. Flexibility. So I just kind of like roll with the punches. And sometimes I might do a holy hour in the morning. Sometimes I might do it late at night, just like everybody most everybody in this community have been influenced by the Blessed Mother and Divine Mercy, and I'm no different. I mean, the Divine Mercy message and devotion has had a profound impact on who I am as a Marian, who I am as a person, um, how I see God, how I see the church, how I see the world. And I've taken that, I've taken that message and it influences every aspect of my life, how I pray, and how I communicate God to people, especially through the sacrament of confession um, and through my homilies.
0: Thank you for sharing about your priesthood, and thank you to all of our Marian priests and brothers around the world spreading divine mercy with the help of our Marian helpers. Now let's hear the story about the hillbilly Thomas. What is that, you may ask? Well, this is a group of Dominican friars who, both in an educational way and an entertaining way, inspire us to our faith through music.
5: Well, I think music is one of the most profound ways into the human heart. It's another way to preach.
6: One advantage of preaching through music is that it kind of enters into people's souls through the back door. When you're playing music, people let down some barriers and they kind of have a connection with you and that makes them much more receptive to the message. Oh God, come to my
3: assistance. Lord, come to my help.
7: In 2015, a group of Dominican friars created a band called the Hillbilly Thomists. The name fitting because of their love for bluegrass music and deep interest in the thought and theological teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm gonna have a new life on an old highway. Gonna start my life again in a Chevrolet.
5: There is something about our approach to writing music that's ironically not preachy. A lot of times we try to tell stories um, about what people kind of go through, especially suffering. So, they're realistic in that sense. So, I, I think people respond to that.
7: Making arguments with angels, drawing lines in the sand, starting life over every day in a foreign land. In 2017, the band released its debut album, and it climbed to an astonishing number three on Billboard's Bluegrass Album Chart.
6: I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through
7: this world below. In 2021, they released their second studio album, Living for the Other Side. And in 2022, their third album, Holy Ghost Power, stunned the bluegrass world and rose to number five on the Billboard chart. From the day I found out you were
5: telling me lies I've been living off of grit, whiskey, and moon pies There are a lot of good musicians making way better albums than we make um, that don't sell, that don't top the Billboard charts. It's kind of mysterious to me why it is that the music has spread so much, but I'm thankful for it uh, because we get to reach people who we normally wouldn't reach. Just when I faced the capital hour, that's when I found the Holy Ghost power.
7: Reaching others and spreading the Word of God is the greatest passion for these Brothers of Bluegrass. But the Hillbilly Thomas are typically only together as a band about two weeks a year. Outside of their involvement in the band, each of them have a main gig, leading others to Christ. THREE OF THEM HAVE JOBS PREACHING THE GOSPEL ON COLLEGE CAMPUSES. CONNECTING STUDENTS IS WHERE THEY SPEND MOST OF THEIR DAYS.
5: WE HAVE a, AN AWESOME OPPORTUNITY HERE AS FRIARS TO CONNECT WITH STUDENTS AND TO SERVE THEM. IT'S IN A SENSE uh, MAYBE a, a CALLING WITHIN A CALLING OR A VOCATION WITHIN A VOCATION. I think a lot of what
6: it is, is forming relationships with students that are objectively centered around Christ. It's like the only reason they're talking to me is because I'm a friar and a priest. And then later in life, they'll think back, they're like, there was a priest who loved me.
1: I
5: am looking forward to that
6: day. The joy of my priesthood is to kind of be a priest for that time of their lives when they're going through a lot of important changes, friendship, faith. Um, it's great to kind of be as present as possible
5: in that chapter of their life.
6: Just as I am. That sounded nice. Yeah. We serve
5: together as chaplains, but we can also use our music. as It's a way to spend time with students. Holy.
6: Connecting with our students over our music is interesting here because there are some who have gotten to know our music really well because they got to know us. Lots
7: a little bit of sunshine, it's a little bit of cold rain.
6: But connecting
7: students to the lyrics of their music sometimes requires a visit to the campus pub.
6: We have this thing called Dominicans on Draft, which is our take of theology on tap.
5: We like to play Irish and gospel and folk and bluegrass music because there's something very joyful about it. Not only does it often touch on on important gospel and human themes, but it's also just really fun.
6: Music itself sort of coats the gospel in a way that it strikes people's souls in a more intense way. And also, people who might be resistant to the message of Jesus Christ.
7: In the summer of 2022, during the band's eight city old highway tour, they stepped out on a much larger stage, the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. That
5: was unreal. Actually, when I walked out first to, just for sound check, that's when it kind of hit me. Up. Wow, this this is Grand Ole Opry. It was a really inspiring moment there.
6: How could you possibly have surpassed that? Like you're on a stage in front of like 2,000 people the world's country music's most famous stage. Yeah. Now you let your servant go in peace, your word has been fulfilled. Like, you know, we played the Grand Ole Opry.
7: The Hillbilly Thomas have enjoyed success in the world of music, but they will tell you that the greatest joy of their work has been connection with their listeners and the brotherhood they have developed with each other.
6: works and ways and sunny days I'm doing the best that I can.
5: I think another part about it is that it's a fraternal venture. We're playing music together and so folks can not only Listen to some beautiful tunes, but they can see brothers together enjoying doing it, working together to create something that's that's bigger than any of them individually, and uh, and I think that's what a, a good band does as well.
6: And I fell in the right direction.
8: for confession came and to my great joy I saw the priest I had known before coming to Vilnius that is to say I had known him by seeing him in a vision at that moment I heard these words in my soul this is my faithful servant he will help you to fulfill my will here on earth yet I did not open myself to him as the Lord wishes and for some time, I struggled against grace. During each confession, God's grace penetrated me in a very special way, yet I did not reveal my soul before him, and I had the intention of not going to confession to that priest. After this decision, a terrible anxiety entered my soul. God reproached me severely. When I did lay bare my soul completely to this priest, Jesus poured an ocean of graces into it. Now I understand what it means to be faithful to a particular grace. That one grace draws down a whole series of others.
0: thank you everyone for watching this week about priests in action and be with us next week because now we're going to see the priests in ministry especially with the important ministry of exorcism and until then may almighty god bless you the father and the son and of the holy spirit amen